Welcome to Christ and Culture, a podcast about two kingdoms, man's kingdom and God's kingdom, and how they collide. What's up, guys? What's going on, man? This is Christ and Culture, man, and we are back. And I'm talking with a good buddy of mine, Caleb Boyette, and he is here to speak on the workplace, like what it's like to be a Christian in the workplace, to be in the market and actually living like Christ. And so uh, I know a lot of people out there, you guys are just doing your thing, man, living life, living life and living it. And you're going to work, you're going to school, you're going to all these places. And just how does this relate to us, Christ, our life and this uh, culture that we're in? And so I, I brought a good buddy on who is uh, a good worker, a hard worker, good Christian. And uh, just to talk a little bit about what he does and how he lives it out, man. And his uh, name, again, is Caleb Boyette. Man, introduce yourself, my brother. Hey, what do you morning. do? Where are you from? What's up? Hey, guys. Um, uh, I'm pleased to be on the show. Uh, for me, it's a great way to support uh, Trust and Faith, uh, Trust in Jesus Ministries. Um, it is uh, also great to be back with uh, my dear brother, Paul. Um where we yes, are very yes, close sir. friends, so um, it's a great conversation with a with a very important topic. But uh, more more than anything, for me at least, it's it's good to be together. Uh, my name is Caleb. I am from uh, lots of places. Uh, currently, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, previously, Arkansas. Uh, so also, Paul and I Whoopee. share a love uh, of the state of Arkansas and the and the great football team that comes from <laughs> the state of Arkansas. The only one that anyone cares That's about right. anyway. Uh, I'm an architect. <laughs> um, maybe that's not fair. If the wrong person's listening, they won't maybe agree with that. But um, <clears throat> anyone who's outside <laughs> of the state of Arkansas, it's the only one that they know about it. So I'll tell you that for sure. Um, uh, but I'm an architect. I uh, I work in, uh, in DFW, so the DFW Metroplex. Uh, we do lots of different projects, or I have done lots of different projects. Uh, current focus is on school so education uh, type works uh, pre-k through higher education structures uh, campus facilities uh, just making a place that's better for students uh, for faculty to operate learn and grow uh, throughout the communities architecture is uh, something i found uh, i'd say maybe as a teenager uh, so it's something i've had a great love for for i'd say quite a long time now what it means and and, and what it can do uh, sort of changes, but but it has a great value. It it, it makes it possible for someone to have a place uh, that they call theirs, uh, something like a home. Uh, everyone doesn't have a home, but I think when we have it and we, we see that, I think we know what it is and what it means. Schools can be like that for certain people. Uh, places to, <clears throat> to work and learn uh, can have that effect. Uh, you know, places of worship, obviously are very uh, special, even sacred to us. So I've done all those kinds of things. Uh, so for me, that's what architecture sort of brings. Uh, it brings uh, the ability to have a special place. That's your thing. That's why you love architecture then, huh? Yeah. Like to build places for people to kind of have refuge. I think that's what uh, you were saying, like a place, a home, a place where they can be centered and have a um, foundation where they can grow and learn in a safe space. So, yeah, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful, man. So in this architecture thing that you do, my brother, like how do you use those skills and how do you take that vocation and how do you honor God with it? Like the gospel message, 
there was something missing in the world. Not that God was missing. God had always been with us. But there was a, a loss of an understanding about who God was. And it's like God had to get more literal, perhaps, and send Jesus into the world, send himself in the world. So, look, guys, there's no more missing the point. I am here now. Um, but, yeah, for sure. But in effect, there was some there was a, a missing understanding. And uh, for me, I liken that to as an architect, people think of buildings as uh, simple shelters, like a, something as basic as a shed. What is its purpose? Simply to keep the rain and the wind off of me. But there's actually something a lot more to it than that. And it's like when I talk about something like a home, well, people think of house, but a house does not equal home. Home is something much more. In fact, home can be less than a shed and still be considered a home. There are people that live in places that all they do is use sticks and mud to cover and keep themselves uh, you know, protected from the elements, but yet that's a home. And so there's there's a difference between that practical thing and that spiritual thing. And as an architect, um, you kind of get to be the go between between the folks that are building these structures and the people that are going to use them. And you can make that connection. You can tell them why it's special. You can um, bring to them a different level of value and a potentially a better understanding, a better understanding about why we do things why the little decisions are so important when it comes to this skill it's an opportunity to bring a higher understanding for me there is a sort of an underscoring it's not it can't always be really really overt people don't accept that as well uh, but in um, in time as an architect for someone you there needs to be a lot of trust and it takes time to build that trust. But with the trust, the conversation doesn't stay in the realm of architecture. Um, it it migrates into personal things. So um, personal things like, why, why do I do this? Well, I have a love for architecture, but that love didn't come from me or I don't believe so. I believe that the Lord gave me that. And uh, so, therefore, passion. I think people are drawn to people of passion. Uh, I, I think we often see people that are in the workforce that they're just really floating. Uh, they maybe have burnout. Whatever it is they're doing, it, it doesn't have a deep meaning. But when you're a person like that, I think people are drawn. And that invites the question about why. For me, why is Jesus gave me this? Jesus gave me a purpose. He gives us all a purpose. That becomes the conversation. My goal is for that to always become the conversation. Obviously, it's to uh, do work for people, make architecture, uh, therefore uh, provide for, for family. Uh, in other words, you're profiting, you're working, you're profiting. You're able to support your family and that sort of thing. It's certainly part of the motivation. But in order to maintain trust and get to a deeper level with people, it's to be able to share the, the love of Christ. Uh, it's the love of architecture came from from my love of, of the Lord himself. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. That's a beautiful thing, because I know that uh, when you do make these houses and you make these homes and you make these places of worship or 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 for uh, learning that uh, 
that it is something that honors God because it kind of it, it gives people a solace. You know what I mean? And you can make that connection. Like you said, you show them that there is a deeper meaning, that it's more than just this building. And that's pretty that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. So what about uh, what do you do at your workplace? Like, what is it? Um, um, what does it mean for you to be a witness at your workplace? Well, we kind of look at this this agenda, if you like. Hey, look, we're going to we're going to get a project uh, between the architects and the clients. And in the course of the project, you're going to develop trust and the trust is going to develop into a deeper conversation. That's sort of the goal. It's one thing for one person to do that. It's something else when the team is like minded, the the architectural team, the design team is like minded. Uh, the like mindedness is uh, is of being a servant uh, that we're here to not only serve the client, but the but to serve the people that this project is going to be used by. If that mindset is shared by the team, that all the more the goal is met. And so it's important to be a witness in the workplace so that that vision can be shared. You know, we come, people come to architecture from all different places, all different motivations, but it's, but it's that single motivation to serve the Lord and do what is good in his eyes as it says in Hebrews, to do a work that is is good in the eyes of Christ. He will bless and elevate this. Now, the other motivations that come, I expect that there's um, an altruism associated with those. But there's only one there's only one true religion. There's only one true way to heaven, and that's through the word of God. That's through Jesus himself. So that unlocks the, the higher potential. For, for the work we're doing. Um, and it's important to get us all on the same page. Uh, I will say that this is this is the goal, but this is not this is not an easy thing. This unfortunately is not something that happens every day. Where I work, there are certainly Christians. There there are wonderful Christians, people that really want to serve and follow the Lord. They don't want to make not one they don't want to blink an eye without knowing if that's what Jesus asked for. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm greatly um, motivated, strengthened, blessed by that. Uh, but this is not uh, this is not the banner on the wall when you walk in. Okay, this is not what the office is built upon. The the, the, the I would say the office is built upon worldly values, good values. Um, uh, I would say they might equate to building blocks uh, for for good culture, uh, even a good society. But again, there's uh, something a bit more specific about what the Bible says about uh, building, building structures, organizations that that work and follow God, uh, the way the church is built. I wouldn't say that that's the way our company is built, even though it's built well. It's built to last uh, in terms of its culture. It's built to last. But what I'm talking about are individuals who are committed to following the Lord. I think it only takes a few right to change the culture, but it's certainly not automatic. It takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of prayer uh, in the workplace. And again, uh, you know, building trust with clients is one thing, but there are personal relationships to be had with uh, people that sit next to you in the office. I sit beside people that are of very different views. Okay, but I think when you have a certain tact, which, by the way, I think comes from the Lord, comes from the word of of God to have, you know, to kind of develop a tact for how to have conversations 
uh, to be effective. Uh, I don't think in today's society people are, are very receptive to coming with uh, the Bible in the hand and, you know, you're kind of hitting them with it. Uh, you have to you have to, in a way, slip it in. And I would like to be uh, much more frontal. Uh, but to me, it's a uh, it's like playing the long game uh, with the people that you're near. You know, you work next to them. Um, you have to have that conversation over a long period of time and let them see who you are and who you are is who Jesus is. We are supposed to love each other and come off that way. So it's extremely important to be a witness in the workplace to build that um, like-mindedness so that that translates to the to the client. And on the individual level, these are all people that the Lord loves. Uh, so for the people that are around in the workplace that are, uh, you know, not Christians, don't believe in God or don't believe in anything really, maybe, he loves them the same. And so we have to. And so, again, that comes into how we uh, are tactfully speaking truth to them. Man, I, I like what you said. Uh, well, that's a couple of things I like what you said, man. As the first one is that not only are you there as a witness to others, but there are also others in your space that are witnesses for Christ as well. And that encourages you to be a better witness at your workplace. I think that's awesome because it kind of uh, gives me motivation to know that when I go to the marketplace, that um, when I am actually living a life of Christ in the decisions that I do, then others who are in Christ see that and it motivates them to be better as well. And so I think that's that's awesome that you have people around you that are motivating you as a community to serve uh, Christ in your work and to serve the people that you're working for. And then uh, another thing that you said I think was really good was just how you speak to people at work. Because in essence, sometimes you do got to play a long game, man, especially with people that you know that you're going to be around every day, every day, every day. And they may have different uh, viewpoints of, of life in Christ. And so just to have that tact. And uh, it does say that in um, – um, in Second Peter or First Peter, First Peter, I think it says, is that be ready to give a defense of the gospel, but you do it out of love. You know, it's like not not with harshness or bitterness, but with love. And so, if you're prepared to do so and you give the time for the people, I think that's an important that's an important thing, man. So that's really awesome, man. And I I hear you say that it's also like not the um, the uh, the build or the the company itself is not structured on Jesus. But it says that the people that you got there, that because you follow Christ and you serve Christ, then it's kind of like an underlying um, place. It's like the, an underlying theme of the place that you work because of the people that are there and it can change the culture, man. And so with that underlying theme, how do you like demonstrate that without uh, uh, like how do you, I guess you say, prove your uh, life in Christ without actually um, like saying, hey, do you know Jesus today or something? Like, how do you live your life at, at work as a Christian? It's a skill that one should build over a long time. OK, it does not. It is not. Uh, it is not natural to be able to say, look, you should know Jesus and not say those words. Jeremiah 31 says. I will make a covenant, a new covenant, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. I will write my word on their heart. And that's not uh, the exact uh, rephrasing, but this is the, the essential nature of the verses. The word of God is then, I wouldn't say subliminal, but it, but you feel it. Like I didn't hear it said, but I know it in my heart, right? 
-hmm. when you when you can kind of be with the word of God and the spirit of God that way, it it just informs the way you speak. It is it is how you approach everything. It is constantly how the gears in the brain are ticking. But again, it takes it takes a studying. It takes commitment to the word to be able to have that so deeply in you. The demonstration of that. You know, all that said before is leading up to an addressing here of the question, the demonstration. I have uh, uh, sort of an amphibious kind of role in the office, given my experience, uh, my particular skill set. I work as a project architect, which means I am producing the drawings. I go into the uh, digital software and produce uh, plans elevations, do all the drawings that people think of when they think of architecture. And I do what's known as project management. So I look at, you know, schedules, uh, budgets, uh, operate not only in the realms of architecture, but, you know, do a lot of in interpreting uh, to general contractors. That's sort of my position. And then looking up, my position and looking down is there are younger architects that are still learning how to draw. They're still learning how to communicate outside of architecture. So speaking the language of contractors and owners. And when it comes to my position, I am not only speaking, sort of operating specifically in the role to convey architecture to other people, but I'm also teaching other architects how to convey architecture to other people. And I'm constantly having to defend decisions I make, you know, to my uppers. You know, they say, well, why'd you do this? Well, my experience, you know, from years past says this is the right way to go about doing what I've done. And that's why I did it. So, again, tact is very important when you're communicating, you know, step by step why decisions are made. Tact is very important when you're training people, uh, communicating to them. But for me, architecture is not one of those things like an assembly line type of profession. OK, it's a. Uh, it's almost painterly, right? It, th there's no painting that's the same as another, even if it was done by the same artist. And so in architecture, the way you teach architecture is different depending on who you teach it to. There have been some recent interactions in, in uh, my workplace where there's a young architect. She's very brilliant. Uh, she's like a bright light. She comes in. She has lots of energy. She's very smart. But there's still things that she doesn't know. We had a little bit of a dispute one time as she and I and she said, Caleb, you're telling me something I already know. And it sounds like you're talking down to me. I said, and I had to take a step back and I said, OK, I came back about 10. I literally left the conversation. I said, OK, we're going to press pause here. This won't go any further. I came back. and I said, hey, let's take a walk and we're going to walk outside the office. We're going to just decompress here. And I said, look. There are things that that I have to know that, you know, and in order for note to in order for me to know that I have to ask, do you understand? But at no point should you take it that I have uh, that I look down upon you. There is nothing for me to look down upon you for. I said everything I, I do to speak to you or ask of you certain things is to build you up. And she she got. Uh, kind of watery eyes a little. I said, I'm only here for one reason. It's to make sure that you are the best you you can be. I have a love for architecture. 
I need to be able to share that love with others. And so I want to instill that great passion for architecture and what it can do for people in those who work in architecture around me. So the demonstration of Christ, I was not able to have a Christian conversation right there. But we put what we do in terms of love. These are not terms the world operates in. It, the world does not operate in love. They operate in numbers, in profit, in advantage and disadvantage. If I love you, I cannot possibly be advantaging myself. So when I begin this, this is an early relationship. But when I begin this relationship in, I'm going to love you by supporting you so that you can do what you would have done naturally already on your own better. That is the base. That is the basis for creating a relationship in the truth and the love of Christ. Demonstrating Christ for me is taking those side conversations seriously, being intentional about them. And uh, there, there, there are questions that I have to have very similarly with my uppers. And I say, for me, architecture is about integrity. Integrity is when all the factors that make a thing hold together and no factor um, uh, disproves another, but they build to, they build up together. That's what integrity, something that has integrity is made up and it cannot be broken. And I put the way I do things in those terms. So speaking and then in that case about what is truth, this isn't opinions. This is hard evidence. And, and making the conversation in definite terms as the Bible sets up in definite terms. So, again, setting again where I am, I'm, I'm early on. So the relationships are just beginning and I'm, I'm setting the tone with those that work ahead of me and below me in this way. Man, that sounds good. Yeah. Two things I think I get from that that maybe our listeners should hear is that uh, when we go into a workplace, we should. Uh, have two uh, important baselines for how we operate and do things is out of love so that uh, whatever we do is that is the the benefit of others. And it may cause us to have to sacrifice some of who we are in order for them to be built up to be. Cause I know that this girl that you're talking about, who's a bright beacon, uh, she could end up being uh, a better than you and getting paid more than you or raised, but that's not the point. It's your point is trying to make her be the best person that she could be in this world. And that takes a lot of sacrifice. And then second is integrity, that everything you do should be done out of truth and that uh, there is no, no um, side kind of, um, what do you call it? Like uh, no ulterior motives, but that it is uh, because you want to do the right thing. And those things are, are what Christianity is about is love and truth. And uh, and so that's 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 important for us to do as we head into our, our job space and our um, our our lives. So I wonder this question here, as as we talked about first, we talked about kind of like how to live a Christian life at the workplace without actually explicitly saying the gospel and and love, because that is, like you said, a, a thing that the world doesn't operate in. It's like uh, it's all about um, um, edification of self. It's all about glorification of self. It's all about what can I do for myself to make me the best. And if it takes kicking somebody while they're down so that I can get a leg up, then that's what I'm going to have to do. 
but we don't operate out of that. We operate out of uh, Christian values, which is to serve, which is to love, and which is to be truthful and hold ourselves with integrity. But in living a life like that, when or how do you finally get the chance to explicitly talk about Jesus, the gospel, and truth in the Bible? And I know uh, you had a friend at a, a previous job that you were at that you talked to a lot. And I knew that relationship uh, you was asking us to pray for and stuff. And and that relationship was slow. But then in the end, you ended up actually being, being able to share the gospel and stuff. And so how does that work? Uh, how, how do you how do you take that step? How do you move forward to that step to actually be able to share the gospel? I think over time, the conversation uh, goes from general to specific. Certain comments come about and it might be an off the cuff comment, but it's one of those that if you're listening, Mm. it speaks right to the depth of who they are. Okay. Yeah. I've got a little note here I'd like to share. and, And just to emphasize that, that's a sort of a general statement, but I think it's, it, it comes out of this understanding. It says uh, Hebrews 4.2, for the word of the, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, uh, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Okay, so that gets all, they, they, these little comments, again, if you're listening, they expose us. Okay, and I do often listen for this. I think even if you, you, you reach out and you say, what do you mean by that? First of all, people are caught off guard that you are even listening because many don't feel like they're heard. Uh, I think that's a big issue with our society yeah. is everyone's crying out right. because they don't feel heard. But right. I try to listen even to the whisper that's near to me. And I and I think by that, I th- people understand you're you are paying attention and that opens people's eyes. And even though the conversation in its nature could be a bit controversial, hey, listen, I'm a Christian, or let's say, uh, as an example, the current stream is people have uh, different affiliations sexually, or they uh, have new identities, or they choose to have new identities or wish to. And, And so that conversation is very much at odds with the Christian beliefs. And so the conversation by nature is going to be contentious. But but because you were listening to them first, there is a new tendency for them to listen. How does this conversation finally present itself is that when you've been listening long enough and you've been uh, compassionate long enough, people in their hearts, they open up some to do a little bit of listening on their end. Uh, that was the case from my dear colleague from from before that you mentioned. Yes, she she's a person that I love dearly. I I respect as an architect as much as anyone that I have ever met in the field of architecture. But it 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 really did take a while. But as the as the conversation uh, deepens, um, where let's say lines are more clearly drawn before in in the realms of general talk. Uh, we can make comments that don't really identify who we are as much. But over time, those comments are more pointed, more to like the the effects of uh, what's said here in Hebrews. And you have to take that as an opportunity. My position is that God is setting up this conversation. Hmm. You simply need to speak 
the truth. And John 17, it says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So where in certain cases, uh, the truth comes off adversarial, but in some cases it can come off as engaging. It can come off as uh, protecting, including people. Mm. And so, but, but that's the effectiveness of the truth. A good word is like the sharpest knife. A dull knife, when it cuts, it doesn't get very far. But the right word is like the sharpest blade. It can cut and go right into where it needs to go. And so for people that are in the world who don't know Jesus, the same gospel was spoken to me when I was not saved that is being spoken today in the world. And it has the same effects. It can go right to a person's soul and speak to them and open their eyes to a dip, to a truth that's been around them forever. Hmm. The conversation comes when you've been listening long enough, when you've been praying long enough, and when you, you know, have the boldness then to put that all together and in love go to them and say, this is what we have to follow. This is what we have to believe is that Jesus is the king, that he did die for us and rose, rose from the grave. And because of that, all history has changed. All of time and matter and space revolve around the moment of Christ coming out of the grave. Mm. That's the truth that we have to gravitate fr- uh, around. And and when we know that, everything we do changes. The way we do everything changes. Yeah, for sure, man. That is definitely a good word, man. That's just listening, man. Being Finding that spot when someone says something and exposes their heart. And then capitalizing off of that opportunity by the truth. Uh, and what you said was absolutely true, too. You said that uh, the truth could be adversarial. You don't have to be adversarial. You don't have to be the one that is fighting. But the word that you speak, let it do its work, because not only can it be a hard word to hear, but then it can also be a word that brings protection, hope and clarity in a life that uh, definitely may need it at that time. So, man, that's some good words, my brother. That's some good words. Any final thoughts that you have that you want to give us on this uh, this topic of Christianity, the workplace, living Christ out in our lives in these places? As I said before, uh, it's a fine line we walk to live out the gospel in in uh, in the dark. But he is the light. He came into the world. And he is the light that's in us, even though where we go is is dark. We rely on him. We feed off his word and his spirit while that's a challenge and the work of it could seem depleting. It's the same work that that fills us up. It is a means and an end in itself, and it is self-sustaining. Okay, the the self-help books, the. making sure we go work out in the gym every day, uh, making sure we're reading, you know, how to get rich. Guess what? There's another one and another one and another one. And they do not feed it. They do not feed us. But the spirit of God feeds us. And so when I say it's self-sustaining, it's self-perpetuating. It it can fuel us forever, but it's also the glory of God. And so the work of it is the gift. The doing it is the reward. This has to keep us going. So even though we're in trials at times or we're not getting much 
return on our investment when it comes to the conversation that's been going on for a year and a half, you know, whatever. We're still doing it because the doing it is the reward. Uh, that's what I always have to focus on. I have to constantly remind of that. Uh, here as a family, we've been talking about the workplace, but you know, I'm a father, so I lead a family. And the same thing is true of it because there's plenty of challenges, but yet the doing is why we do it. And we do it because God loved us so much that he did a wonderful thing. He gave himself up for us. We just have to follow that. So my final word is just keep on, keep on going. Yeah, for sure. Fight the good fight, my brother. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, man. Great conversation, man. And uh, yeah, dude, I can't wait to come see you because we're coming down a couple of weeks. Going to watch the LSU game, my brother. So. Sounds great. <laughs> that sounds yeah, great. For sure. Well, we love you guys and yeah. are so uh, pleased to host you. We're, we're glad to see you and we're glad to have you back in Texas. Uh, Arkansas Razorback football and fall is not the same without the rideouts in Texas. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. All right, brother. Take heart. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Hey, man, we love you guys. Uh, take heart as well. I, I appreciate you guys. Hope you all have a great rest of the weekend. We'll talk soon. Bro. 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 Bro.